Help us, Lord. Because I know we want him to get the glory. Yes, yes. Right? We want him to get the glory. My partner now, my wife, my spouse, my lovely. Hallelujah. And all the above. In Jesus' name. Amen. While we're standing, let's just go to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for corporately being together, God. Corporately worshiping you. Oh, God, feeling the bigness of you, the greatness of you, God, that in light of our momentary, as you said, light afflictions, God, you are greater than them all. And so, God, this morning we pray, God, as we sit and open our hearts and our ears to hear the word, oh, God, that you have prepared us to be the ground that your seeds can go into, God, and that they can grow and, God, that they can bring value and strength and deliverance and whatever we need to our lives. Thank you, God. You are a good God. Yes. That you would not let us walk this journey blind, God. You would not let us walk this journey in ignorance. But, God, you have given us the way that we should walk it so that we can have victory in our lives. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So glad to be in the house of the Lord, thank God for our praise and worship team as they led us in um, worship. What a beautiful time of worship this morning. I just love worship. It, it is a, an, an, an aspect of worship because I want us to get used to the fact that that singing and praising God, it's worship. But there's a, another level of worship, and that's just living. Our everydayness of living in life is worshiping God. And sometimes um, you could think coming Sunday, you know, I do what I want to Monday through Saturday. Sunday I'm going to go worship. But in all actuality, every day is worship. Every moment is worship as we give God the worth and the glory that's due him in our living. And this morning I want to talk about, uh, we're talking about aiming and and this year we'll see there's so many things that we can aim at. And, and God is going to open up his word in, in so many different areas so that we can aim at, at the right thing. And so I was thinking about, uh, we're going to be talking this morning about aiming after spiritual transformation. And one of the things is that we, see, we hear a whole lot, you know, um, that word transformation is spoken in so many areas. But a lot of times it's about our outside transformation. You, we're transforming ourselves. We're, we're transforming our bodies. We're, we're transforming ourselves to be better, you know. But God wants a spiritual transformation, something that is lasting, something that is strength something that goes beyond because you can transform this outward body all you want to and one thing can happen right and this body can be different than what you were trying to transform it to and I've learned over the years that you know we can be so fickle as men and women we can be so fickle in transformation of our bodies of I've seen especially women, I've seen us try to transform a look that we think men are going to like. And so we'll transform and try to kill ourselves losing weight, trying to kill ourselves wearing our weave and our makeup and everything for a man to like us. And the same man can not like that same look, right? And 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 I've watched women, it's so funny sometimes because I've watched women, um, we've lost a lot of weight and then, then 
are you've seen a man that he's been with a really thin wife and then he's got a really got divorced her and got a really heavy wife and so you kind of stand back and go hmm what was I doing all that for but the thing is it's because we have to learn how to like ourselves come on and be ourselves and and understand but only 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 minds spiritual transformation can get us to that because as long as we don't have spiritual transformation we will be chasing after being man pleasing right and we'll find ourselves going a little bonkers right and so we want to talk about spiritual transformation and one of the things that i, I um see is that why god wants to change us spiritually is because whether we recognize it or not we have a lot of er- erroneous teaching and beliefs on board and some of these things have been passed down right, right. and some of these things we have picked up but they're still erroneous they still have error in them and the only way that we can walk in victory is to have teaching that comes from God that leads us into his way of doing things that you know when you come on board I even found out I had erroneous um, biblical understanding of things that I would just say because it was passed down you know uh, cleanliness is next to godliness and I used to say that like that was born scripture (laughs) And I would tell some of my cleanliness, and then, I, you know what, this one pastor came one time, and he asked me, where was that found? And I was like, why does he ask me where that's found? Of course that's in the Bible, you know? And so he goes, Pastor Linda, I want you to look that up and see where that's found. And so I'm looking, you know, got my strongs out, my commentary, looking for that scripture. I'm, I was like, I know that's in the Bible. And I found out it wasn't. It's just the way that we have perceived it or carry it, but we act like something is, you know, written in the Bible. And so that was one time that I really started saying, wait a minute. If you hold up, if I'm going to say something, it's going to be, I'm going to have an address for it, okay? And not mine. And not my address, okay? Not, not from the Bible of Linda, okay? But from the Word of God. And so God wants us to know that a lot of times we're walking in areas and we're, we're frustrated and, and having no victory and we're gone on and on and on in life that is supposed to be bu- abundant life, but we have erroneous uh, thinking and ways that we believe that's not bringing victory. And so all of a sudden we look and we think, oh my God, this life is so hard. Everything that God said, it's not working like God said it, but then we have to go back to God say it. And then we got to go back. Am I really working it like God said it? And so the thing is, is that we really have to get to a spiritual transformation because we can walk in our own reasoning, our own opinions, somebody else's opinion. And so we get so um, enamored by people, intelligence. Now, I don't want to put intelligence down because it's a great, wonderful thing. But sometimes we get so enamored by intelligence that there can be someone that has, uh, we had um, a pastor that, I mean, he would say things like make me how do you say shout or it was he say some country things okay so but what you thought he was real country but the man was real real smart in the word of god do you understand and sometimes we'll look at how a person presents themselves or dress themselves and we will be so enamored by them but you know how a person is really intelligent in the lord 
It's not how well they speak. It's not how well they dress. It's how well they live. And that when you go to examine their life, that you can see the word of God being walked out in their life, then there's the real intelligence right there. Because to know something, to be able to speak it well, but not be able to live it well, to be able to know the word of God, but not to be able to do the word of God. See, there's an intelligence that comes in being able to carry out the word of God. My first scripture this morning comes out of Romans 12 and 2. And it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, this age. And I'm going to ask you, what are you aiming at? What are you aiming at? You know, when I was younger, To be what, can y'all hear me? Okay, was to, to look in these magazines and see what was like popular in the world. You know, how to, how to dress, how to talk, how to look, and to go after those kind of things. But my heart was all about being popular, trying to fit in, because I didn't think I fit in very well. So I would actually try to look and, look and see how to fit in. But the one thing I want to, and I would aim at that, but somehow, I don't know, my friends would always tell me that, you know, just be you because you, you don't do world very good. They would tell me I couldn't cuss very well. I remember I went through this whole stage of learning how to cuss, and I wanted to learn how to cuss because cussing seems so powerful. And I know that sounds so stupid to some of you guys, but when I was younger, I had a bad problem of trying to be popular. And so all my friends were so they get out and they could cuss somebody out and it sounds so powerful. And and I was like, oh, wow, that sounds powerful. You just cuss them out and they back up and they back down. And so I would try to and my friends would laugh so hard and they would say, don't try it. We'll take up for you. You don't try to cuss because it just sounds so silly. And so even even in my dressing, everything that I was trying to copy, I, I look back and think, that a lot of things that I tried to drink, I tried to do all these kind. I tried to smoke and got myself so sick because I felt like I was watching people how they smoked, and I thought it was the longer that you inhaled it, the greater that you were. And so I, my husband had left, and I and I got this cigarette at home. I thought that two things. I'm talking about erroneous. Of thinking. So two things I thought that smoking made my husband calm because y'all see how calm Pastor David is. So I, I equated that that smoking made him calm, okay? And then I equated that the more I inhaled the smoke, you know, the longer you can inhale it, the, the greater at it that you were, you know, that you could hold it. And so when my husband left to go on his first cruise, I got this in my head that I was going to smoke and I was going to be calm. While Dave was gone, I was going to be smoking, and it was going to calm me down because I was a wreck when he left. I was crying all the time, got these cigarettes. So the first day I did, I got the cigarettes, and I was at home, got the cools that my husband gets, cool, and got the cools, and I put them in, and I started smoking them, and I, 
and I was sitting there in the and I was holding it and holding it and, hold, and y'all can imagine what happened. I got so sick, y'all. I was sick, choking, throwing up. And in my mind, I was thinking, something I must be doing wrong because David didn't do this. He didn't do all this stuff that I'm, something I'm doing wrong. So I would keep on doing, y'all, y'all probably shake. This is the one that God called to pastor. I don't know why. All right. It says he calls the not souls. And so I fit right in that, that category. And so I was sitting there smoking and trying to smoke. So I didn't, I just got sick. Nausea. So I found out there was an error. Something about this is an error. Something about this is wrong. So I would give it up. I I'd start drinking like my friends. They would go out and I'd go out to the club with them. And I, I said, well, they look like they can dance and do everything. I was scared of everything. And I said, they, they, but it was probably because they drinking. And so I, I, I get the drink and then I got this drink, some drink that was really sweet because you know Pastor Linda likes sugar. And so this drink that was really sweet. So I, what's the harm? What could harm me in a sweet drink? And so I'm just slushing this drink down because why? Because it's sweet. And the next thing you know, Pastor Linda wasn't Pastor Linda anymore. And all those inhibitions that I had, I didn't have, but I just turned into a plum idiot. And the next thing you know, you guys, I went to work the next day. I need y'all to know with a black eye because I got so idiot-fied that I took off my boot and was swinging it around and swung it into my eye. And so these kind of things were so following what people did or what I thought. Now, none of y'all, none of y'all did anything that stupid in here, right? Okay, because I see people looking at me like, I can't believe she was that dumb. But I know that the world will make you dumb thinking that you're smart. And following the things of the world will make you, what are you aiming at and why? The one thing is, what are you aiming at and what's the motive of aiming at it? And we need to ask ourselves that question because no matter if your motive is wrong, no matter how good you look doing it, if your motive is wrong, if your motive is to please your flesh or to please man, at the end of that motive, there's something that's going to be very stupid. You watch. It's going to be something that you look back and say, why did I even do that? So do not be conformed to this world, this age, this age this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs but be transformed changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Remember what I said. I was trying to prove what was good and acceptable to men. But God tells us to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's good and acceptable to God? What are we aiming at? Where are, where's our aim? To prove what's, and, and not even what's good and acceptable to me. Because there's things that I found out, uh, er, erroneous thinking of what's good and acceptable for my life that wasn't good and acceptable according to the word of God. That God's commands, and I want to say this right off, that we are living in a world right now that it seems as though God tolerates sin, 
that the world will have you to think that God, God tolerates sin, but God hates sin. He hates sin. And we want to feel like because we have come to Christ that we get a free pass. And we keep on saying, but God understands. But God understands. But God understands. And he loves me. Let me tell you, the part that's true is that he loves you, okay? Does he tolerate the sin that we keep walking in? God hates the sin that we're walking. He doesn't hate you. So I want you to get an understanding of that, that why you feel his mercy and why you feel his grace, even though we're still sinning, is because he doesn't hate us. He loves us. And his grace is steady more mercy, is steady more wooing us to him and wooing us from that place of sin. But he hates sin because he knows sin is death. He knows that no matter what we're tolerating in, this, in our lives, that has to do with sin, he knows that it ultimately is killing us. And he knows that we as his people, we don't see the death because God's mercy is allowing death not to kill us automatically. But in the consequences of death, we get to feel a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, almost so little that we don't even recognize the death until the death is in our face, right? And God is still saying, thou shall not. He is still, can you guys, a lot of people think the commandments has gone away, but God is still saying, thou shall not. Thou shall not is still relevant for today. It hasn't been wiped out, the word of God. The Ten Commandments have not been wiped out because of grace. I need us all to understand that. Because people feel like because of grace, where it says, thou shall not kill, thou, thou shall not covet, thou shall not commit adultery. We feel like like those things because of grace they are no longer but thou shall not is very much still thou shall not god hates sin and he doesn't want us to learn to tolerate it you guys he wants us to learn to hate it he wants us to learn to hate it so in it it says don't be so conformed and i like how the message bible says don't become so well adjusted. Isn't it isn't it true that that you know once you do something in sin and you keep on doing it and you just keep on doing it all of a sudden the bible talks about your conscience being seared. All of, all of a sudden it doesn't you know when you first did it there was there was the unction and uh, of the holy spirit and 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 kind of telling you this is wrong don't do but as long as you keep on doing it all of a sudden you'll realize you don't even hear that voice anymore you don't even hear anything saying don't do it and then all of a sudden as you keep on doing it you also hear a voice that justifies where you're at justifies why you're doing it justifies that God still loves me and I know that he sees me but I also know that he loves me and that he understands me there just comes that voice of justification and all of a sudden boy you you'll see the 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 levels because in the beginning in the beginning you will come to church and you'll hear it and then there's a conviction that's the word conviction that says "Mm, yeah 
that's right. I need to get out of that. But then you'll keep on doing it and keep on doing it, and you'll come to church, and all of a sudden there comes almost like a deadness to certain aspects. And it's always, I'm going to just say out of my life, it's always been at times where the word was right at my address. I needed to go to the bathroom. I start thinking about the, the roast in the oven. I start getting, then all of a sudden it got even worse to the point that I said, he's preaching right at me. I know he knows my story. And now I'm mad at the preacher for even bringing it up because I know that he, he's picking on me today. Okay. And so I'm, I know that nobody else in this church is a word for, but today is because he wants to get me out of this place. And so I'm mad about it. And all of a sudden, I find myself coming to church, and I'm looking at everybody crooked, and everybody's mad, and I really don't want to be in this stupid place because all they do is talk about sin, okay? Why don't you talk about love? That's what we We need to talk about someone love, but we don't want, and a lot of times, if you hear today, there's a lot of, pre- when I was growing up, there was a lot of hell preaching. There was a lot of preachers telling you about shacking up. There was a lot of people telling you about laying in the bed with the with someone not your husband. There was a lot of stealing and thieving and cheating and lying. Those and those was those was the sermons. Those were the sermons. And all of a sudden, you start hearing people say, "That's why people don't want to go to church because all you do is talk about their sin." But you know what? So everybody starts talking about love. And talking about, uh, let's talk about love and let's talk about prosperity and let's talk about all these things that make us feel good and important and all these things that won't matter a bit if we're going to heaven or hell. All these things is not going to save us at the final day. How much money I have in the bank is not going to buy me heaven. That when I stand before the Lord, it's going to be about how I have lived out his word and out his commandments. And you know what? I, I, I really found out that the Bible let me know something. That if I don't preach those things, that the blood is on my hands. Oh, my God. The blood is on my hands, on the preacher's hands. Because you know what? A lot of times we want to come to the house of the Lord and we want the preacher to tell us everything about how to make it in the world. You know what I'm saying? But how would you like it if you went to college and then college teacher told you about how to make it in heaven? You would think, what? He's supposed to be telling me about how to, to, to you know, succeed in, in business. See, we asked the preacher to take over a job that he's not called to do. The preacher's called to get your soul ready for heaven. And so a lot of times when we come to church, we want the preacher to say something fun or say something intelligent about how to make some money, how to get over in life. The preacher is supposed to tell you. It said for him to preach in season and out of season. And it also told him to preach and let you know not just what's right with your life, but what's wrong with your life that's going to keep you out of heaven. Did y'all know that? Y'all quiet up in here. Y'all need to say, preach, preach, y'all, preach. Preach what the Lord said to preach. Because this is where it matters. Because we're not going to live here forever. This is not our final destination. And the church should get you ready for your home of eternity instead of this short-lived place down here. There are so many smart people out there that can tell you how to get some money and tell you how to, to be affluent and tell you how to talk right. But the preacher 
God will tell you how to live right. And so God wants us to tell you that. It says don't become so well adjusted to your culture, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And this is what spiritual transformation is about, being changed on the inside so it can show up on the outside. Readily recognize what he, and he is God, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Renewing our minds, being transformed by, it, by the renewing of our minds. Renewing of our minds means interpreting life through the lens of God's word. How are we interpreting life? Through what person or, or what TV show or what somebody says in a magazine or even what we have went through through our own experiences? How are we interpreting life? But renewing our minds means we are interpreting life through the lens of God's word with revelation through the Holy Spirit rather than the lens of your experience. Sometimes we're interpreting, um, you know, life through our experiences and we've been through certain experiences and through those experiences, sometimes no matter what experiences you have been through, you still need to interpret your life through God's word. Because sometimes we've had some terrible experiences. Uh, today I was thinking, um, you know, that we're celebrating Martin Luther King. And, and I was thinking about my parents. And my parents have told me some horrid experiences. And my mom and dad grew up at a time where um, prejudice was prevalent. And so horrid experiences of my dad was a, a, a really great football player. And one of the things that always um he would tell me about is my dad was the only black on his team and at the school though he was very prejudiced you know they couldn't do go through certain doors use certain bathroom but for the team because he was a good football player he could play the you know he was raw 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 James but when James got off the field James was just a black man you know that there was a lot of prejudice against he told us one of his saddest stories was how he had went to the war and in the war he had fought you know and, and with 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 his white brothers and he had fought with them when he got back to Kansas City, after the war, he got back, and they're coming to town. They get off the bus. He comes into town, and they all go, get ready to go into a restaurant. When they go into the restaurant, it's just him and the other white guys. So they, but they've been fighting side by side. So when they get into the restaurant, Dad and him are sitting there for a long, long time. They don't get served. They don't get served. They don't get served. And one of the white guys, you know, like, we've been sitting here a long time. You have that nigger sitting with you. That daddy, they wouldn't serve because daddy was sitting with them. And daddy's always would tell us about this and, and how that hurt him that here I am sitting, I'm fighting for the country. I'm fighting for the same people who wouldn't serve me. But, you know, one of the things, that experience, one of the things I loved about dad 
was as he would tell us th- those things. And I could tell in my heart about so many experiences going to a theater. They were at the time where you drank out the black fountain. You didn't drink out the white fountain. You went to the movies. The black people sat upstairs. Daddy and them lived through that time. So one of the things I loved about it was that he could have shaped my um my life or my thought pattern after his experiences. He could have said, you know, hate those white people. They ain't no good. Nobody loves you. Then white people don't. And I have had a lot of people in my life that have went through those experiences that have that kind of pass down to their children is that, you know, white people are no good. They don't. But my dad was love everybody. Love everybody. And there was times when I could see that that hurt was still there when certain things would come up that that reminded him of that. But he would always go back and let me know, you can't carry this in your heart, Linda. You can't carry. And a lot of us are carrying experiences that never happened to us. Okay? They never happened to us. But they happened you know, somewhere back there, and we're still carrying that hatred in our heart, that bitterness in our heart. We still can't walk in love because of a pass down. Not that it was passed to us, okay, by that race, but it was passed down by our race, you know what I'm saying? So now we're carrying some, we're, we're carriers of hatred, not because of something that was done to us, but it's something that was done to someone in our family. And so, so So what I'm saying is that we can't let our experiences be the lens by which we walk life out. Because if our experiences are negative, we're going to walk out a negative way of living that has nothing to do with what the Bible says. Because the Bible tells us what? Love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully, the Bible tells us, right, to love our enemies. And so if I just go through the experiences of my life, I got to look down and put my experiences up against the word of God and say, how does the word of God tell me to respond to this experience? The word of God does not tell me to hate them. The word of God tells me to love them. And I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking from an experience in my life. You just might hate somebody that's been messing with you all the time on the job. You just might hate somebody that might be your same color, but did something wrong to someone in your family. But you still got to take that experience and you have to put it under the lens of God's word and say, is this how I'm supposed to respond? Is this how I'm supposed to act? And I have to renew my mind. It says we can't see through the lenses of our experiences, our woundedness. Some of us are wounded and have been wounded. We've been some some people won't even come to church anymore because they've been wounded at church. But the thing is, is that we still got to take it back to the word of God, which lets he he was wounded for our transgressions. Right. That God was wounded for us so that those wounds that we get, if we cast them upon the Lord, that God can heal our woundedness. We can't see through the lens of our trauma. Some of us see people through the lens. Some of us have trauma from men hurting us. And so what we do is all men are bad. It could be that man, but now we've general. That's what we usually do with a lot of things. It turns into a generalization of all men, all women, you know what I'm saying? All this color, all everybody becomes that because of that 
trauma that's on board. And God wants us to take that back to the word of God. And when we walk in that kind of trauma, then we find ourselves, what happens, the enemy loves for us to walk in our own experiences, our own trauma, a woman that here comes a man that will treat her wonderful, a God man. But she's had a Man, okay, I don't, because sometimes, you know, you're in our mind, these words come to my mind. But we've had, you know how women, we can call men a whole lot of names when they've hurt us. But I don't even want to do that this morning, okay? The man hurt you, okay? And because you have a name for that man, all men are that man. And so now here comes God, brings you a God man, and you can't even treat that God man. You can't even accept his love. You can't do any of that because of the, you only see me. So as soon as that man says something that triggers something that was the like the last man, and he don't even mean to say it, he don't even know why you're triggered, but it triggers you and now you're ready to leave him or ready to feel like he doesn't love me because that trauma is still on board and the trauma takes your trust away and the trauma takes that whole thing that all men are bad we we have a whole lot of women that even nowadays even in and I'm going to say this even in women going to our men and women going to but I want to say it mostly for women because this is what I hear mostly from women. Women that are going to same sex, lesbian, uh, is because a woman knows about me. Because a man treated me so bad that, see, but that's what the enemy does to us. A man has treated me so bad, hurt me so bad. But a woman, she she knows what I feel. She knows how I hurt. We can really identify and that's what the enemy does. He makes us feel these kind of things that are so, but, but not, that's not what the word tells us. So, so I don't care what my flesh tells me or the experience or the trauma. I got to go back to the word of God that lets me know that's not what he created us for. That's not how he created us. That, that we, we, we would use our bodies to, to have same sex. That, I mean, this is in the word of God. And do you understand a lot of times there again, I said that a lot of times people don't want us to preach that. And, and, um, we want to be accommodating, okay? God didn't tell us to be accommodating. He said to love the person, but if I really love the person, I'm going to cry loud and spare not, and I'm going to let them know what the word of God said. The word of God lets us know homosexuality and all those things that we are taking on as but surely God surely God she's a good person he's a wonderful yeah he's God loved that wonderful person but God does not love that ungodly deed and that ungodly deed is pulling them from the purpose that God has made for for them to be and when we accommodate it and you guys I want to say this as Christians we're not out there like like haters you know that's not what God called we're supposed to be lovers but we're not supposed to be so lover that we don't tell people the truth truth is love I said truth is love not not being quiet truth is love and it says speak the truth in love I love you, and this is why I'm telling you the truth, because at the end of this, there's pain, there's hurt, there's death. You know, I, I, I have walked in, in walking away from my husband 
walked in adultery. I can walk and say, because of what I went through, the end of it all, there was so much hurt. I can't just um, patty cake somebody because one of the things that I know is at the end of it, there's hurt. At the end of anything that we do against God, there's hurt. I want to tell you that. And you can go for a distance and not feel anything and even feel good and even feel justified, even feel like this is the best thing for me. I've never been so happy in all my life. But the end of it is hurt because God is not a liar. And what he said that we shall not do, we shouldn't do. And it's not because he, he wants us to miss out on some fun. See, sometimes we think God, God's just a bummer and he just wants us to miss out on fun. Don't he know how wonderful this is? He wants us to know God just wants you to miss out on death. He wants you to miss out on hell. He wants you to miss out of eternity separated from him. He wants you to miss out on all those things that the enemy that who is a liar and a thief and, a, and, and, and wants to steal from you will do if we don't put on the new mind that says God's word is right. And this morning, one of the things we got to come to a conclusion is God's word is right. God's word is right. God's word is right. What part of thou shall not don't we get? Because sometimes I found myself walking right out of thou shall not. I would look for scriptures to prove my point. But God says, "Mm -mm, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little there. Don't you go to this one scripture. You keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. And you keep on. And God's word is not gray. There's no gray areas. A lot of times we want to say, but did he really mean? Yes, he really meant it. And he still really means it. What he says is what he says. God needs us to look through the lens of his word and stop trying to change his word to fit our circumstances. But change our circumstances to fit his word is what he wants us to do. It is choosing daily daily moment by moment to choose the mind of Christ the mind of Christ which lives inside of every believer as new creatures we have put on the mind of Christ and we need to choose his mind rather than operating out of our soulish mind every time we operate out of the word of God we're operating in our soulish mind and your soulish mind it will make you feel oh man so good at doing what you're doing so good I mean if everybody felt bad they wouldn't do it come on your soulish mind if you're laying in the bed with somebody that's not your husband or you're laying in the bed with somebody that's that you're not married to if 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 it wasn't for you know to feel good, I mean, feel bad if it was just like once you got in there, oh, I feel so bad. This feels horrible. This feels, we'd be, we wouldn't, none of us would do it. But our soulish mind says, this is wonderful. This is better than you've ever had. This is great. Your soulish mind says what's good for your flesh or feels good to your flesh. It's your spiritual mind that tries to get to you and say, this is not right. Get up, get up, get out of here. Stop. But we will override our spiritual mind by continuing into something till we don't hear the. And you know, guys, 
when you don't hear the voice of God, it's a place of depravity, and it's a place that we need to run. When I don't hear God telling me to do his word, when I don't hear the Holy Spirit convicting me, I shouldn't be happy about that. I should get to a place that I'm running, I'm crying, I'm crying. Lord, take me back, take me back. Take me back to when I first received you, when I first heard you, when I first was in tune to, to your voice, when, I, when conviction will take me back, when I, when I can sit arrogantly and pridefully and say, that's not me, I don't care what they say, I'm going to do me. You've lost, there, there you go, Peter. We've lost our first love. And in this world, God talks about the self-love that's coming on the world where, where men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. We got to get to a point of spirit-led lives instead of religious obedience and obligation. Because just because we're in the house of the Lord, sometimes it doesn't mean that it's spiritual, a pass down of obligation and duty and check. There's a lot of people come to church because it's part of their doing good. Not doing God, <laughs> but doing good. It's a religious pass down, and they not have yet embraced the spirit spiritual pass down of loving God with all their heart with all their mind and loving God like that means keeping his commandments God said if you love me if you love me you will keep my commandments if you love me you will keep my commandments now you know what happens when I'm preaching sometimes the enemy will sweep through and say but you know what there's sometimes I sin and I'm still sinning and tell the enemy shut up if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that means that you are striving to keep his commandments. You're not habitually, intentionally sinning. Now, if you're habitually making it a habit and you're intentionally sinning, oh, my God, Lord, forgive me and let me start my, works first, my first works over again and let me come back and let me come back right the, the rightness of it is I'm giving my life to you, Lord, so that I will stop habitually and intentionally sinning. See, the enemy will come and try to convict you and say, well, remember what you did yesterday? So you must don't love God. Okay, if you can remember what you did yesterday and the enemy is still beating you up right now, let me tell you what to do right now. Lord, I'm sorry. Thank God for the gift of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me right now, Jesus. I accept your forgiveness. And just like you told the woman at the well, go and sin no more. That is my determination. See, 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 see. You don't let the enemy just beat you up, okay? You evaluate the realness of where you're at, and then you do what the scripture says so that you can come out of that place wherever you're at. Renewing your mind aligns your minds with the truth of God's word by learning to recognize the lies of the enemy. We've got to learn through the word of God what's the truth and what's a lie. So you align your, your the only way you can align your mind with the truth is you got to know the truth. It says to know the truth and it will set you free. It will make you free. But if you don't know the truth, 
then you can't align your mind. So that means you got to get in the truth to know the truth. And then you have to recognize the voices. Is that God or is that the enemy? You got to recognize the voice. And you guys, sometimes people say, how do you know God's voice? How do you know God's voice? How do you know your mom's voice? How do you know your dad's voice? How do you know your husband's voice? How do you know it? By listening. Pastor David could stand up, stand in the midst of y'all and say, Linda, and I would know that's my husband. Why? Because I've heard his voice. I've listened to his voice. I'm familiar with his voice. It's not something that, that you know, we have a conversation once a year. But I'm, I have conversations with him. How do you know God's voice? You have conversations with him. You listen to his voice. You go into his word. His word is his voice. And when you go into his word, this is, have you ever read, I can do this. I can pick up a book by T.D. Jakes, Joyce Myers. Um, I actually hear them, how they would say it. Have you ever, you're reading the book, but you actually hear that person talk? You're familiar with that person and their voice. Even picking up their book, they don't have to stand in front of me and I'd be in a conference. I can pick up the, and I hear Joyce, how she would say it, and I know that's Joyce Myers' voice. Well, that's just, that's pick up God's book. And then you will know, you will know, you will hear his voice and it becomes familiar and you'll be able to say, that is not the voice of my God. That is not the voice of my Savior. That's not the voice of my deliverer. That's not the voice of the lover of my soul. He would not say that. People can come to me, and sometimes people will have done this over the years when, when they want me to do something. They'll come and say, Pastor David said, because they want me to do it, okay? But I'm like, I don't, he would not, what? That is not what he would say. Pastor David said, come on, come on, come on. Pastor David wouldn't say that. Pastor David would come out and go like this. <laughs> I need y'all to know that. Oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have told y'all because some, <laughs> some of y'all might copy that. But I know his, I even know his, I know that. Don't play me, y'all, okay? I know that, Okay. But it's because I'm familiar. I'm, it's because uh, everydayness, not not just uh, you know spurts and stops. It's an uh, everyday relationship. And sometimes we don't know the Father's voice because we don't have a, a relationship with Him. We have more of a relationship with Oprah. We have more of a relationship with some book that we're reading. We have more of a relationship with somebody that's not even God. And so when God speaks. Is that you, God? Is is that you, God? That's why sometimes, you know, like, uh, sometimes my daughter, when she, she had told me this one time, and I loved it, the Lord had told her to prompt her to give, give uh, you know, a certain amount of money. It was bigger to somebody. But s- sometimes in that, unless you know that's God's voice, what do you do? You go, devil is a lie. I know God didn't say that, but then you got to take that, would God, then you got to take that back and say, would God say that? Would God tell me to give my all? Yes, he will, because he gave his all and he gave his best. And that sounds just like God. Would the devil tell me to give up everything? 
No, the devil's going to tell me to be tight, be stingy, to think about who else could help me with this. You know how the other Lord told you to give somebody 500 and then you go and tell somebody else about the situation and hope that they'll put in 200. All you got to do is put in three. See, it's all these kind of things that we do because we don't know the father's voice. Renewing your mind aligns your mind with the truth of God's word by learning to recognize the lies of the enemy and replace them with the truth of God's word and then reinforce them with the truth of God's word and keep on every time the enemy comes at you with that lie, you keep reinforcing it with the truth and the, because the Bible says to resist the enemy, resist the enemy. Resist the enemy and he will flee. Our problem is these conversations that we're having with the enemy. We're just sitting there talking. We're just talking to the devil. We're just listening and listening and listening. I think about back to Eve if she had just resisted. Do you understand? Instead of holding a conversation, when the enemy comes and tells you something that doesn't line up with the word of God, you are going to have to have a word of God. You have to have something to replace it, a word of God that will come back at the enemy to resist whatever he says. Resi when he says, uh, you know, hate somebody. No, the, the Bible says to love your enemies. Hate them. Don't you see what they're doing? The Bible says, love your enemies. Hate them. And every time it says, hate them, you got to come back with, the Bible says, love your enemies. You don't give in to the enemy's bombardment of lies. And like, he is going to bombard you. And you know where he's going to bombard you? What I've learned is if the enemy keeps coming at me, then he's found something in me. Remember Jesus said when the enemy, he said, that the enemy found nothing in him. Because as soon as the enemy came at Jesus, Jesus said what? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is you Don't you got another word for me? It is written. He kept saying, it is written. And what was written is what he said. But what the enemy knows is where you don't have a, it is written in your heart. He knows where you don't have a faithful, it is written because a lot of us have a it, it is written thought, but we haven't hung our faith on it yet. And because we haven't hung our faith on it yet, the enemy knows that. And so he's going to keep chipping at it, chipping at it because there's no faith to stand on it. And he says, if I keep chipping at this, I'm going to make them doubt it. I'm going to make them say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe I shouldn't do this. But when you have your faith hung on the word of God, the enemy knows that he could chip at it all you want. But you're standing like a rock. And you say, on this rock, I stand. On this rock of the word, I stand. You keep chipping all you want to, but this is a rock. This is a rock on which I'm standing, and the enemy will leave you alone. But we've got to resist the enemy, and then he will flee. In 2 Corinthians 10, in the 5, in the message, it says, we use our powerful God tools. This is in the Message Bible. We use our powerful God tools for smashing, smashing warped philosophies. Y'all, we got some warped philosophies on board, okay? Sounds smart, but they're warped, okay? <laughs> they're warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. It says we use our powerful God tools, 
God has given us tools, y'all. We got a toolbox. Every time we come to the house of the Lord, we get more tools in our toolbox. Pray, fast, read the word, counsel, a multitude of counsel. There's, we got a toolbox that God said we can use that toolbox to smash down every warped philosophy. You know, philosophy sounds beautiful and smart. That's why I liked how you put warped because philosophy can sound, see how I'm even saying it. Philosophy can sound, if you're not careful, people can say words in such a way you're like, wow, you know, that's deep. That's so deep. But it's warped. It sounds deep. But it's warped. God's word is never so deep that we can't get an understanding of it. Right. It's not that's deep, deep, deep. What does it mean? I don't know. But it sounds deep. <laughs> God's word, we can get it. Because that, it is God's desire, right, for us to get the word of God. So we use it. And God says, don't just have a toolbox. Come on. <laughs> We got this big old beautiful toolbox, but we never reach into the toolbox to use the tools. Walking around, I got my toolbox. I got my craftsman. I look at my red toolbox, but 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 you need the tools to 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 get open it up and and use them to smash things. I mean, unless you're going to smash it with your toolbox, smash things with the tools using the right tools. It says capture or conquer the thought. As you identify it, as soon as you identify it, that's not a God thought. That's not a God thought. That's not, capture that thought. Don't just let it just buy. There's some things just buy. I, I find myself because I really am aiming at my mouth, speaking life. And so I can say that all year. I'm aiming at my mouth, speaking life. And I can get up in the morning. And I go, oh, I'm, I'm dying. I just, I feel so terrible. I feel terrible. And, I'm doing the dishes on my head. Or I said, wait a minute. I'm not dying. I need to speak some life. I need to capture that thought. I don't need to carry that thought. Because some thoughts you start out in the morning, you find out that you're still carrying that thought till the end of the day. You're, you're back in the bed, man. I'm dying. <laughs> you need to capture that thought when it first comes. Capture it. Wait a Uh-uh. No, I'm not dying. God said I should live and not die. Come on, I'm capturing that thought. I'm not going to let that thought capture me. But I'm going to capture that thought. Conquer that thought. I'm going to identify that it does not line up with the word of God. And I'm going to compare it to God's word. And if that thought does not agree with God's promises or his life instruction, I'm going to cast that thought away. Somebody says, you guys... It's work. I love Don, Donita always says this, and it, it goes, you got to do your work. You got to do your work. And that's the thing we don't want to do. I just want God to, I just want God to do it. Come on, God, you know I said something wrong. Take that thing out of me. God is like, you do the work. You find the word that, my word, that will help this word be resisted in your life. That means I'm going to have to go to the word, find the word, speak the word, declare the word, and I might have to keep doing it all day long. I'm going to have to do the work. Do the work. Oh, God, this year, let's aim at not being lazy. Let's aim at 
not being lazy because lazy is is the enemy's delight when we're lazy. He knows he can just do anything to us because we won't do the work. If we do the work, God works, okay? If we do the work, God works. His word works. If that thought doesn't agree with God's promises or life instruction, I'm going to cast it away. I'm casting it away because I want to reject the influence that it will have over my life. The influence of fear, hopelessness, doubt. That's what a bad word has over our life. It has that kind of influence. It has increased fear in our life, hopelessness in our life, dismay, despair. And I want to push that influence away from my life. And I want to put on the word of God that brings power and authority and deliverance. I want that kind of word. In Romans 12 and 9, it says this, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what, and I want, because I can already see that we're not going to get to all of it. So I want to rest here for a minute. Let your love, because in this one scripture says so much about how we can have this abundant life that we're looking for. Let your love be sincere. A real thing. Number one, let your love be sincere. We've got to aim at sincere love. You know, sincere love is not the, you know, praise the Lord, sweetie, how you doing? Hey, hi. You know how we do. And we're out the door. We haven't thought anymore about that person. We haven't thought about what they're going through. We're not, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just that sweet, hey, hey, hi, praise the Lord, bye. You know, that we haven't thought about loving our neighbor, loving, sincere love means that God came to, he, he, he stooped down, he, he, he was inconvenienced. It's a love that doesn't, See, a lot of our love is based on convenience, my time, my way, what I have to do. And if it doesn't fall into my box, okay, Mm-mm. if you, it doesn't find my personality, my friends act like me. Sincere love is looking what? Beyond the faults. Beyond the faults. Sometimes we're looking dead on faults. And we can't love people because we don't like this about them or that quirky thing about them. But God, looking beyond the faults and seeing the need. When's the last time you looked at around the church? Not your friends, not your group, not the ones you hang with. I want to make this clear. But when's the, to- when's the last time you looked at people that you don't hang with, that don't fit in your group, don't fit in your personality, and say, God, What's their need? God, what is their need? What's Peter's need? I got my family. I got my husband. I got my kids. I got things to do. I got to get up out of here. I'm just being, God's using, okay? Peter is an amazing man, you guys. Peter is an amazing man. And one thing I see about Peter, and anybody After a while, you will see it. Peter looks around to see the need. He will look at you and he will, "Mm, I know that, I know a book for him. 
know, I know writing for him. Oh, I know some letters for her. Peter will look around and see the need. And it's not no, when you see Peter, it's no group. It's no particular group that is Peter's. Peter just loves the whole church. <laughs> and, and if he sees a need, he's going for the need. You know, this morning he made, gave me the cutest little picture of, of the little boy with the aiming for pastor with a bow and arrow, little colored picture, coloring. Those things, Peter will do something so that sometimes we think, you know, if I, if I had $100, I'd bless her. If I had this, I, Peter's like, what is, what, whatever I have in my toolbox, <laughs> I'm going to bless them today. I'm going to, I want us to say, when he says love in sincerity, it means for God so loved Paul, for God so loved his disciples, for God so loved Abraham, but it said for God so loved the whole world. Sincere love is loving the whole, loving the quirky, loving the chatty, loving the late, loving the ones on time, loving the, loving, just, just love them. Just come into their life and love them. And we still in our mind, when I'm seeing that, when I, I said, oh Lord, see the word comes to me first as I'm preaching, Lord, let me have the sincere love. So it says, that the first thing that we need to do is to have, make love be a sincere thing. That's how we can walk in this life in a better way is making love be a sincere thing. Love not just coming to church and seeing, but your next door neighbor you never speak to. Love is a sincere thing. It's loving your neighbor. It's the one that, that hollers at your dog. Love is a sincere thing. Okay. Love is the one that parks in your driveway and she ain't supposed to be there. Love's a sincere thing. Love is love. You know what? Love doesn't change. It's unchangeable. That's why I was thinking about God. Love, love is love. It, do, it, it doesn't mean if you. Love is just love because you. Because you and because him who lives in me, love is just love. All the time. Love. It says, so let your love be sincere. Here's, is, this is a recipe, you guys. Hate what is evil. Hate what, let your love be sincere. Now, hate what is evil. Hate it, you guys. Don't tolerate it. Hate, I don't care if you're doing it. Hate it. Oh, no. You're not going to stop till you hate it. So hate it. Hate what is evil. Loathe. This is loathe all ungodliness. And then it says, turn in horror. You know, if I see a horror film, I can't stand them because they freak me out. I'm going, ah! ah! I don't want to see that part. I don't want to see. I can't see that part. I said, when's the last time in seeing? I go, I don't want to do that. I can't. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. I don't want to hate. Oh, my God. Don't when is it that deep in us that we turn in horror from sin? This is a place that if we want to have abundant life, abundant living, because abundant life, which I'll be preaching on next time I preach, it's not about possessions of things on this earth. It's about possessions of things in the spirit. That's the abundance of life. 
when I hate evil, I turn in horror. Boy, if we turn in horror from wickedness, can you just imagine? I thought if we all start turning horror and wic- wickedness out loud, just, just think what the world would be like. If all the believers, we just turned in horror. You know, everywhere, every, wherever we're at, we're like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Could you see that? Could you, I mean, just what would the world think if the believers was all over the land going, oh, Jesus, oh, my God, no, no, no. Could you just imagine that it, I think it would cause a little bit of conversion. I think they would go, what? <laughs> What's going on? I think that at least they would, they would have a question to ask us because sometimes we conform so to this world that they don't see nothing wrong. They, we walk like them, talk like them, act like them, live like them. There's no questions to even ask us. But if we was always turning in horror, then, then they would be, what's going on? Because at least there'd be like 10 or 12 of us at one time. And we'd be going like, oh, my, no, no. And then they'd be like, what, what? And when they go, what, what? We go, you know what? You shouldn't do that because it's going to cause death. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the sweep through of God if we turned in horror? But sometimes we don't turn in horror. We stand right in the midst of it. And we don't say anything because you know, we really don't want to say anything. We don't want to rock the boat. And so we don't say anything and not realizing that by not saying anything, we are saying a lot. When I don't say anything, I'm not telling you it's right or wrong, but that person can just take on because I'm not saying anything that I believe they're right. It says to turn in horror from weakness and then the last thing it says, but hold fast to that which is good. But hold fast. But hold fast. This morning, I want us to, this last part, but hold fast. This is no time, believers, for us to let go. This is no time for us to half step. This is no time for us to have one hand in God or one foot in God or one foot in the world. This is a time for us to be all in. Hold fast. And why God is saying hold fast? Because the enemy's coming to knock you off your stance. You got to hold fast. You know how when you get on um, at the airport and I get on that train and I always like to hurry up and go sit on the seat on the train because I feel a little more secure because when you sometimes when you're holding that pole and you're just casually holding it, if he jerks it, then you're jerked with it. You're, you're, you're pulled, but it tells you to hold. But a lot of times you see people, they're just standing there and they're just talking and they don't know. If, sometimes it'll glide on down that track, but sometimes there's a jerky. And when the jerk goes, you're moved. And God is telling us this world today and the enemy is about to jerk us. And we need to be holding fast. This is not a time for you to be wondering is the word true? Is God true? Does God mean that? It means hold fast to what God says. 
hold fast. Not I'll get back to it. Some of us, the enemy's done fooled us into believing that I'll get back. God's grace is going to get me back. God's grace. God's grace got me back to a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not playing with his grace. Grace is not a free pass. It's not something that's going to get us out. It's his love. It's really his love, not a free pass. And we, God is grace. God is grace. And he is. He's grace, mercy, all that. But sometimes we forget the Old Testament God because we see the New Testament Jesus. The same Old Testament God hates sin. He hates sin. And he said, I winked at ignorance once. What he said is, what he means by that is, some of us are trying to walk along as if in ignorance. And, and you know how you do your kids? I give you that. <laughs> you didn't know. I understand you haven't got that yet. I give ten times later, you're like, oh boy, you got it. You are not ignorant. You are just willfully disobedient. And God said, I winked at ignorance once. What that means that you're living under his grace and mercy right now. Appreciate it. Celebrate it. Receive it for what it is. But please don't abuse it. Please don't abuse it. Because as sure as we're born, consequences are in our choices. Consequences that, that are not taken out of our choices. See, see we think because we're not getting, you know, uh, God's not judging us right now. There's nothing. Now, look at this. There's some people, and I've seen it, where they can put their hand over a fire. We've watched things like uh, the talent, American Got Talent and stuff, and we can see people do the most amazing things, okay, that defy what we would think, okay? So people are playing with fire, and they got their hands over the fire, fire that if I just put my hand over it, it would make me go like that, but they got their fire. They've trained themselves to be able to, some of y'all are training yourself to be able to walk in sin. They're training themselves to be able to walk in sin and walk, training the enemies of making you think you got it all together, and he's allowing a distance of time, a distance to look like you got it. But I'm telling you this, as sure as you're born, keep your hand in that fire. Sure as you're born. It might not burn you in a second, but it is going to burn your hand up if you keep it there. And God wants us to know that. That as sure as we're born, sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. Sure, you might not die today. You might not die in fifty years. You might go. You might. Um, you might sin and cheat. For, cheat on your taxes for ten years. Sure as you're born. The problem is, is that when it really catches up to you, it's bigger than if if it was caught up when you first did it. Do you understand? The consequence is to the degree of the consequence than if you had first said, you know, I, I cheated on my taxes and I'm going to rectify this. You know, I'm sorry. Let me pay this back. No, you're going all the way 10 years down the line. Then they catch up with you. Then the sin catches up with you. And now you're looking at thousands of dollars that you got to pay or a hundred thousand that you got to pay that if you had a, did what you're supposed to in the beginning 
today God wants us to know. That God wants us to renew our mind. And the first thing to renew our mind is to renew our mind that God means exactly what he says. Don't deduct that he doesn't mean what he said because you haven't got a whooping. Right? You know what mama said? You're going to get a whooping girl. You're going to get a whooping girl. You're going to get a whooping girl. My dad used to say to my mom, you need to whoop that girl. Because you done gave her five times and she's going to go up to five times before she feels like, oh, she means business. Well, that's sometimes. And so for, sometimes we get that grace and it makes us think, I got grace so I can do it again tomorrow. I got grace. 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 And then the funniest thing is when mom hauls off and she hits you, you're ah, what do you do that for? And you're like, mom's like, I done told you five times not to do that. I gave you grace. I gave you grace. I gave you grace. And now comes the consequence. You guys, God is like, I'm giving you grace. Renew your mind. Renew your mind because we're living in this time where you're going to look around and you're going to see Christians. Christians sinning and sinning. And so you're going to see Christians sinning. And you're going to compare your life to Christians. You don't have to compare your life to the world anymore. A lot of us are comparing. It says fret not yourself over evildoers. Now we're fretting ourselves over Christians. Well, it looks like they get to do that. It looks like they get to do that. It looks like they don't have to do that. It looks like they're getting by with that. We're talking about Christians. Fret not yourself. <laughs> Bible says fret not yourself over any evildoer. Because God is a God that has so much mercy. He's having mercy on them, and he's having mercy on you. And the mercy demands that we would look at his mercy and say, thank you, God. I'm getting away from that erroneous thinking of let me keep on doing it. Let me keep on coming out. God, help me to come out. Help me to come out now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but help me to come out now. Abundant living now means to live out God's word now. Now, some of you guys don't have the time that I've had. Some of you may not have 67 years. It's now. It's now. Let's stand. It's now. It's now that we capture and conquer all the erroneous thinking in our mind, that we align our our mind and thoughts Renew our minds according to God's word. And you guys, the preacher don't always have to tell you. You know, if you you get in your word Monday through Saturday, when the preacher gets up on Sunday, you just confirm and you're just like, I heard that. I read that. I know that. It's not making me mad. God already told me that. But a lot of times we won't get in our word. And then when the preacher says something, we're mad because it sounds new and it sounds like the preacher's coming at you. But if you got in the word, you would find out that the word of God was gently just trying. Sometimes the preacher is just of the public that God has already been trying to tell you in private. He's already been trying to tell you in private. And then the preacher comes and God said, preacher, you need to preach this today. Because some people say, why you preach that? Why you preach that? Why you preach on me today? Because who else would I preach on but us? 
Do you understand? I'm not trying to preach it out there where no one can hear me. I'm preaching in here where we can hear us and at our address where we can know God sees our address. Do you see where right where we're at? But privately, I don't know how many times privately God has been telling me something. He's been showing me in the word. Linda, let that go. Linda, come out of that. Linda, come out today. Come out. All week long, something, turning on a radio, so hearing some music. God has been and Then I get to church, and the preacher goes, kabam. And then I'm like, he's preaching right at me. But do I understand the mercy and love of that? That's God giving me another opportunity. He said, I speak to you in the wind. I speak to you in the still, small voice. You would not adhere. Now I have the preacher to cry loud and spare not, and you're upset. When you don't realize that it's just love giving you one more chance, giving you one more opportunity to let go and let me rule your life. And so this morning, we just thank God for this word. I will continue it on the fifth Sunday about the abundant life. But I want us to go out this morning that we will renew our mind. We start aiming at renewing. God, what wrong thoughts do I have? Aim at that. Don't don't be cocky. Because some of us think we know everything, we got everything, we got it down, this is the way it be. I don't care how smart you are, take your smartness to the word of God and see if that same smartness is in the word of God, okay? Even the smart thing, even the thing that you've known all these years, take it to the word of God and make sure that it's in the word of God, that it's in agreement with what God says and not what you think, all right? so that we can have victory in our life. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that you are in the business of renewing our minds. It's through you, God, and through your word. Oh, God, we don't want to keep losing, God. We don't want to fall short. We don't want to think that we've made it in heaven. God, and you said, depart from me. I know you not because of something that we did not have lined up with your word. So God, we pray right now that we will align with your word. We pray right now, God, that your word would go into our hearts, be planted in our hearts and be watered, God, to grow up and bring forth fruit. God, we thank you for every soul that is here this morning. God, right now in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone that doesn't have, haven't given their hearts to God first, if you haven't given your, that's the best thing you can do. Sometimes we just think we can come hear the word, but not give our heart to God. This is just not just another class of information. (laughs) This is life instructions. And so we like to think about it sometimes. It's just another place on Sunday I go and hear something that tickles my ear. But God wants you to have something that changes your life. And so right now, if you haven't given him your, your heart, Because no matter what is said from the pulpit, if you don't let God in your heart, you won't be able to walk this out because he gives you the empowerment to walk out his word. We invite you this morning to come. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. They shall flourish. Plant in the house. And you guys, the house, sometimes we think just the building, but the house of his word, the building, the great habitation of God, his word, Plant yourself in the word of God. If you've been wounded and you've walked away, and this morning there's just something that says, go back to the house of the Lord. And this morning you're saying, I want to come back. I just love this part that God, he always has the lights on. He never turns them off. 
always says you're welcome home, always ready to run to you and welcome you home. And he won't even make you a servant. He, he says, come home, my son, my daughter, that was lost, now they're found. He always keeps us as his children. And so this morning, if you want to come home, you just come to the altar and we will pray with you. Also, if this morning you want to make living faith center your church home, we're so glad this morning we just right now you come up front and we're just happy, happy, happy for this family and sister. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. We're so glad this morning for these that have come forth and just thanking God. I, My heart, uh, I say this all the time because this is something that my heart has seen so many people be disillusioned. We, Living Faith Christian Center, are not perfect people. But we serve a perfect God who is perfecting us. And when you, I want you to know that because I don't want anyone to be disillusioned looking at us. What you were looking at before you walked up to this seat, God continued to look at him. I thank God because he is the one that's perfecting us. And we are so glad that as you stand here, you're saying you're coming to walk with us, to grow with us, and be perfected by the same God. And just so excited about both. And I'm just going to have you say your name to our congregation. Oh, that's okay. My name's Jasmine. Jasmine. Jasmine Gillette. And this is Zane Gillette. Oh, <laughs> it's what? Zane, that's my grandson, Zane. Wow, I didn't think there was too many people that had that name. Zane, all right, Zane Gillette. We thank God for Jasmine. And then we'll I'll let him tell. <laughs> my name is June, June Dawkins. My name is Paul Dawkins. Still or something? Oh, Lord. Um, this has been confirmation that uh, through the Holy Spirit that um, this is where God want my wife and I to be. Uh, we moved here in October, so we've been um, looking for a home church. We um, had visit other churches up in this area uh, before we left. Pialop, if y'all know what Pialop is, <laughs> um, we have had we have built relationships with other pastors, and they found out that we was leaving, and they were trying to get us to stay and be part of their ministry. But um, I want to be able to sleep at night, <laughs> so I follow the Holy Spirit, because <laughs> I don't want God to keep me up no, keep me up no more than what I have to be up for. <laughs> Amen. So as we was searching for a home church, we had a blessing to meet Sister Diane. She invited us. And then from day one, when we walked in, um, Pastor Jenkins, um, Pastor Linda, Pastor Sam, the whole congregation showed us love and welcomed us. So amen. Thank you. Amen. We're look, looking forward to the blessings that God has brought in the house. And we're going to do something different. 
right now we're going to shake their hands and give them the welcome, all right? I, cause, so they don't just stand here looking. We're going to welcome them right now. You guys turn around and play some music of Robert. <laughs> 